0: Welcome to OSSB Inside and Out, a podcast about staff member and alumni experiences at the Ohio State School for the Blind. Each week, we interview someone from the Ohio State School for the Blind about their experiences. Now, here's your host, Brendan Hamblin. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Today on the podcast, I have OSSB graduate Jordy Stringer from, well, Let's start out when you started at OSSB and when you graduated.
1: So I, I first uh, just want to take an opportunity to, to thank you, uh, Brandon, for, for doing this, this podcast. I think um, it's really important that we be able to uh, not only highlight the uh, individuals who've graduated and their accomplishments and give them an opportunity to share some of their experiences in this, uh, in this format, But I think it's really important to continue to highlight the things that are ongoing at the school. There are many, many great things happening at OSSB and um, a lot is happening and a lot will be happening in the future. And so they've got a really uh, tremendous executive leadership team. Um, And so I've had the pleasure of being at the school over the last couple of months, a number of times, well, not the last couple of months because of COVID, but throughout the last year, Um, working to build relationships and and be a part of the the transition um, as the school kind of goes into its next phase so I just want to make sure that I thank you and and your efforts for continuing to allow us uh, as alumni and and folks who really care about the school for the blind to be able to share uh, with you in this in this format so just want to again say thank you for that
0: you're welcome it's a pleasure to put this on it started as just a whim <laughs> just a spur of the moment thought, but it's that's how all
1: great ideas start sometimes, you know, just with a spark of an idea, and you know, you go from there, and right? It just becomes something sometimes even uh unlike what we imagined. So,
0: I'd um, agree, I appreciate it. it's a great well
1: to answer your question. So, I started, um, and, and I didn't go to OSSB um, for 12 years, like many folks. Um, I started a lot later in life, um. I started in 1998, I uh, believe it was sometime in October of that year. I believe it was very near the end of the track season. And as some of you who've gone to the school and who have maybe listened to the podcast before know that there are kind of seasons that go on. And uh, at that particular time in the early fall is an early late summer, early fall is the track season. And so I believe I started maybe about two weeks before track conference. And so I unfortunately didn't get to participate as an athlete that year, um, but I was able to go and and be part of the festivities, if you will, the tournament and be there as a manager and and a water boy in that capacity. And um, so that was a really fun experience Uh, as a freshman in high school when I started. Um, Again, many folks start very early in life Um, and I grew up in Columbus, Ohio. And so back in 1983, when I was born, there was. The, a very newly formed a mainstream program that was happening and uh, students who were blind and visually impaired had the opportunity to go to um, Public school and so uh, my family at that time elected to send me to to public school. And so I, I was in public school from 1986 uh, Until 1998 uh, where I started at the school for the blind again in October and only went there um, part of the day. Uh, we uh, In 1998, there was a, a program that had been newly developed. Um, or maybe it wasn't newly developed, but it had been res- resurrected. Let's call it resurrected. I think it happened in the years past, um, but let's call it resurrected. And students could go um, to both the public school and the School for the Blind for a variant of experiences, um, some of which were social in nature, some of which were educational in nature, and so that's what kind of began my journey at the school was to be able to get some of the vocational training um, and extracurricular uh, activities that we weren't able to get as blind students in the public school because they really had no uh, concept of adapting sports in the public school setting at that time. So um, that was the the one of the one of the real catalysts for uh, me being very adamant about wanting to attend the school for the blind. And I'd also had a lot of friends who had went from. Uh, the public school setting to the School for the Blind residential setting and was really excited about that and uh, the freedom that it sounded like it gave people. Uh, but that's another part of the story. So,
0: <laughs> <laughs> And I know the uh, half day at OSSB and... Well, when I was there, it was half day at OSSB and Whetstone. So that was there f- <laughs> up until... Well, COVID started, I believe, so unless they got rid of it after I'd graduated, so.
1: (laughs) You know, I'm not as familiar. I do believe there are a number of students who do go outside of the campus, uh, the campus being OSSB's campus, to engage in other um, educational settings. I think there are some students who go to career centers. I believe there are some students who maybe even are attending uh, some college classes at Columbus State. So yeah, but absolutely, it was whetstone. It was whetstone when I did it, and I believe it stayed whetstone uh, all the all throughout the time um, that that program exists and or existed. So, um, so yeah,
0: right. And you graduated what year?
1: I graduated in two thousand two. Uh, I graduated in June. I think it was June seventh, uh, two thousand two. Um, our class at that time consisted of, and I'm probably going to forget somebody, so please forgive me if any of my former classmates are listening, but uh, at that time, the class was myself, uh, Dana Layman, uh, Ben Hsu, uh Lacey Hughes, who's now Lacey Hughes-Miller, uh, Shawana Griffin, uh, Deshawn Hanna, Larry Lewis, and... And I um I feel like I'm forgetting somebody. Maybe I think there was one or maybe two other people. Um, but memory definitely fails me right now. So it was a it was a fun class. We were a rambunctious class. Um
0: A lot of the classes but, were
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh we um had a lot to learn uh, in that setting. It was a really interesting setting, very different than I think than what a lot of students get to experience, especially in public schools, uh, because I, I was telling a story the other day about my experience. And you know, we lived together. We lived together. We ate breakfast together. We we had lunch together. We had dinner together. You know, we right. we did homework together. We we everything. We for, for weeks at a time. You know, that was your family. And so, um, though it was a very rambunctious time, and we had a lot of learning to do, a lot of us ended up uh, becoming very very close. And maintaining, uh, you know, what I believe to be lifelong friendships. In fact, um, I'm actually going to be getting married this fall, and Larry Lewis is going to be my best man at my wedding. So, we graduated uh, nearly 17, 18 years ago, and so that, right there, is is a testament to the closeness that the relationships, you know, people are able to build at the School for the Blind. To have somebody be able to be a part of my wedding celebration 18 years after I've graduated high school, a guy who I met over 20 years ago to to be able to do that is it just speaks volumes to the the atmosphere and what the what the experiences at the school allow you to to learn and and live through so it's been been a lot of fun
0: right i'd i'd go back and relive it if i could but unfortunately life doesn't work that way so
1: never good never good to live in reverse you know that's what's i think really important about your your podcast here is allowing people to to, to relive some of those memories and and that kind of thing because it's always very important to, to learn from the past but always be moving forward so
0: right uh, yeah um is there any memories or field trips or overall experiences from ossb that stick out after all these years Of being gone?
1: So uh, I will say that there are a couple. Uh, One, I'll be a little bit more serious about first, and then I'll tell you a little more of a fun kind of memory or story. Um, So I was a student who uh, wasn't necessarily a a very serious student. I didn't have the mindset of uh, going to college, and I didn't uh, take education and, and studying particularly seriously. Somehow, though, um, I was through—I guess—sheer personality able to, um, I guess, hobnob my way, or for lack of a better way of saying it, into the role of the class president. And in that in that role, I was able to. <laughs> Sorry about that, uh, listeners. You got my voice over there in the background. <laughs> um, well, that happens. I was, I was able to um, learn a lot about leadership and what that meant. And about my sophomore, maybe midway through or almost near the end of my sophomore year, I kind of recognized that if I ever really truly wanted to really be successful and go to college and, and start to put myself in a position where I could make a decent living, I had to really uh, buckle down. And so one of the things that it taught me was how to take leadership really seriously. So. I, I fast forward to that and say that now uh, I serve as the executive director at a Center for Independent Living in Southeast Ohio, where we serve uh, individuals with multiple disabilities uh, from ages zero to, uh, I think, our one of our oldest folks, um, even who recently passed away, was in their 80s. So we, we actually don't have a, an age range, uh, a, 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 an age uh, requirement for our services or any of those kinds of things. And so we do that and serve all individuals in the southeast part of the state of Ohio with all kinds of different varying independent living services. And I only bring that up simply to say that without the experience, I think, first at OSSB with the opportunity to to be the class president and figure out what being a leader was. I'm not really sure that I would have had the drive to do all the other things that got me the experiences to, to get here. Um, so without that, I, I just really don't think that I would be uh, the executive director of a, of an agency that, um, you know, is a federal contractor and and takes states and uh, you know uh, contracts and and p- helps provide services for individuals who are uh, members of the Opportunities for Ohioans with Disabilities uh, Vocational Rehabilitation Program and those kinds of things. So without without those experiences, without the um, ability to to have that experience, that leadership experience at OSSB, I'm not really sure that I would have turned out to be the Geordie uh, that people now know. Um, I think I would have maintained um, that old Geordie that people, um, you know, I, I had a bit of a reputation, uh, maybe as you might know, as a bit of a rambunctious, free-spirited, uh, happy-go-lucky, uh, footloose and fancy-free kind of fellow and, 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 right. and didn't take things very seriously. Um, but again, that opportunity changed uh, the perspective that I had um, and allowed me to be able to grow into the position and, and, and have the perspective that I, that I now have. So, um, so that's the more serious one. Um, let's see, which one of the fun ones should I tell you? Uh, I think most everybody who's who's an administrator is who, when I was a student there, is now gone. So I feel pretty safe to um, share. At least some of this stuff, although I should be careful because of my professional relationship that I don't say anything that would uh, be too uh, revealing. Right. Um, The one thing that I'll say is that um, being at the School for the Blind uh, allowed us the opportunity to have a lot of experiences as teenagers um, in, in a normal setting that being in public school and being potentially isolated from our peers would not have allowed us to have. And so, Regardless of um, what, what happened through those years, all of those experiences and all of the different things that went on helped to shape many, many people's lives. So I hope that the staff um, who, who are listening and who get to listen to these podcasts recognize the role that they played in shaping people. Because as I shared, you know, we, we spent so much time there, even over the weekends. I mean, we'd, we'd, there would be months when we would not go home some students you know so i was a day i was a day student and i lived um in close proximity enough to be able to take the bus to school every day and back and forth but um, i was also able to get some of those uh, weekend experiences and there would be weekends and and, and weeks and, and and in cases many months at a time where people didn't get to go home and so to have those experiences and be a part of that was something very very interesting so um uh, let's see, four-story, a, uh, a field trip. So one of the more famous – okay, so we had a really terrible bus. We had a really terrible old bus that seemed as if it was probably built in, like, the 40s or the 50s is what we all joke. <laughs> it was just fall apart at the seams. I think there was at one point we had even had to duct tape the front door closed when we were on the freeway once. It was, it was a terrible bus. I and
0: think I remember buttons, that bus.
1: I, I'll bet you do. I, I'll bet you do. We granted, it, was a, it was a bus that we used for many, many years. Granted, uh, by so, the time
0: I had got there, it was out of service, but it had sat on the property for <laughs> I
1: I fully years. expect by the time we had graduated that it was because it was on its last wheels. Even then, as I shared, we were having to duct tape the thing together at, at certain points. So, uh, But one of the running jokes was when we would be – You know, because you'd get all your linens and you'd have to go pack the bus and load the bus, do all that good stuff. Yeah. And one of the running jokes was everybody would say, Hey, so and so, what if the bus breaks down? And the interesting thing or funny thing, or you know, what came to be the joke, every time someone would say that, sure enough, the bus would break down. No matter where we were going, no matter what we were doing, no matter if it was wrestling season, whether it was swim season whether it was uh, the track season, if anybody ever said that, and we would, you know, when people would start to say it, we'd, you know, admonish them and say, hey, don't you say, don't say that, you know, because we right. didn't want the bus to break down because we knew that if you say that, there's a real possibility that this bus will break down. So if you could please not say that, that'd be great.
0: Right. Um, I remember one
1: time in particular, we were going to St. Louis, Missouri, going to St. Louis, Missouri, and St. Louis, Missouri is not a necessarily long drive from Ohio, it's about, maybe, right. it's about maybe seven, eight hours thereabouts. We I believe we left um, Columbus that morning at approximately sometime around nine or ten in the morning. We generally on those kinds of trips would get out of the building about nine or ten in the morning. And we were scheduled to arrive in St. Louis, I believe approximately six or seven that evening. Well, some wise guy, I don't remember who it was at the time, but some wise guy... Um, uh, said that that whole thing. Hey, what if the bus breaks down? And somewhere in Illinois, the damn bus broke down. And it took hours and hours and hours to get a replacement. Needless to say, we roll into St. Louis at 5 a.m. the next morning. And tournament starts at 7 a.m. So we roll in 5 a.m. We get two hours of sleep. We get in. We get up. And I don't know how we did it, but we ended up taking I think we took either second or third place that year in the the tournament, but we, uh, we, we had a, that was a wild weekend. And uh, that was one of the ones that was much uh, unforgettable. Uh, We were driving all through the night. It was unbelievable. As I said, we rolled into the school for the blind in Missouri um, and their school was over by the arch. They've got a really interesting neighborhood that their school is in. So we rolled in there at like five in the morning and we're having to pull stuff off the buses and, you know, we're, we're going through and it's just, it was a, it was a, it was a fun time, but it was a very uh, memorable time. One that I wouldn't, wouldn't trade for the world. You know, we, those times are when you see, you know, your teammates and you guys helping each other and helping people make beds and, you know, making it so that everybody can, you know, quickly get as much sleep as you possibly can. And so those are the experiences that that I remember and that, that kind of camaraderie and that teamwork, um, that allowed us to go out the next morning on two hours of sleep. We did sleep on the bus, many of us, of course, but it's not like sleeping in a bed, obviously, especially if you're going to, you know, go out and compete at 100% the next day. Right. You know, we were able to uh, uh, come together as a team and and rally with each other, and and uh, we maybe didn't do as good as we normally did in tournaments, but we 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 did we held our own and. And we got back the next day, and the great thing was that uh, we we so we never did so to, to finish the story, we never did get another bus, and so they had to scramble. And I don't remember exactly the how the how logistically it went down because I was a you know student back then and didn't know all the logistics. But right, uh, it took a day or two, but the school had to get us plane tickets and they had to fly us all back. Uh-huh. And uh, so we we ended up uh, getting the fly back, which we didn't fly very often because it was always more economic at that time to drive. Right. Um, You know, in the nineties, gas was a lot cheaper. Uh, So uh, (laughs) it was way more economic for us to drive. But then that year we, we got to fly back and we felt like big shots. And so, um, so that was a really fun weekend. And I remember a lot of folks that were there and a lot of folks that were there at that tournament, you know, have unfortunately even since passed away. And, and so, you know, it's just a, it's just, a, it's just kind of like a family at OSSB. It really is, and, and I almost kind of feel like that when I go there still. I walk in to the new building, and I – because now, those who don't know, there are um, – it's a very, very different campus um, than was the campus when I was last there, and perhaps even when you were last there. I'm not even sure when you graduated, but – I graduated
0: I in 2016, so I was there for – They finished construction on the new building – my 10th grade year, so I was in the new building for two years. I'm not a gotcha. fan of the new building, but we won't even go there.
1: Gotcha. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I'll say that it certainly has its perks, and it, and it has its, you know, technology that the old building doesn't have. It's got its smart boards, and it's got its, you know, um, you know all the access that the students need. It's got the recording studio there that Mr. Kelly is uh, working with students to develop other kinds of podcasts that talk about the school so i encourage everybody to listen to those as well Uh, but it's it's got you know it's got that but you're right it doesn't have that it doesn't have those memories man it doesn't have the memories and you know it's obviously still not a versatile enough building if you ask me because i mean they still use the gym in the other building the auditorium is still heavily used the dining rooms are still used you know it's you know all the stuff that we know about that building is, 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 you know, it, and I remember fondly is is still there, the gym. Right. I remember when the, the gym, they were replacing the gym floor. I remember um, about the year 2000. Um, they replaced you know, it.
0: What, they replaced the gym floor shortly after I started in 2004.
1: So, okay. Then they must've did that again because that the gym floor has been uh, replaced a couple of times. I, Remember the pool construction? You know the pool is still there and, and still the same pool that I remember. The showers. I even at the alumni uh, reunion, a uh, couple. I uh, was last year. I guess it was last year, 2019. Uh, we had a reunion at the school for the first time in a number of years, from what I understand. Uh, and and so it's just a it's just a fun place to be, man. It's so full of memories and so full of uh, life experiences, um, just so full of history. More history than. I even know if you go through the halls there near the old superintendent's office, there are a number of plaques uh, dedicated to um, past uh, alumni, uh, past administration. Um, And it's just a it's just a it's just a cool place to be, man. I I really like it. I like going there. Um, Just it just kind of feels like home, you know. Right. I know one of the things we talked about was the um, you know, if there's anything that I would share with with parents or students, um, and the only thing that I can say is that uh, in terms of uh, going to school there and if I would recommend them having this kind of experience, I, I recommend that students and parents um, find the environment that they believe is the best fit for their student, whether it's the blind school, whether it's um, a, you know, a public school setting, whether it's um, a homeschool setting, whatever the student is going to flourish the most in. Is the setting that I think that you should be in now. And when it comes to experiences, I don't think there's anything when it comes to having team-like experiences and being able to be a part of a team, part of a band, part of a choir, uh, right. part of a part of a, 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 a you know whatever the other clubs are. I forget all the clubs now—the Kiwanis clubs and the Lions clubs and all those things. And so the the school for the blind has that, you know, and there are not a lot of opportunities um, that don't exist anymore at the school for the blind there were years where I feel like there were opportunities that didn't exist and would have maybe I would have encouraged parents to uh, not encourage students who are blind to, to go there because they there were some lacking of experiences right. but I just I don't see that anymore I think the technology has um, leveled the playing field for a lot of students I think um, that students who want to be a part of teams can go there I think students who want to build and and, be, and have leadership experiences can go there. And I think it's a really good place. I I, I strongly encourage people who who are a blind and visually impaired to at least check out the School for the Blind um, and find out if it might be a good fit for your student. There's a lot of good people. There's a lot of good services. Um, there are services there now that weren't there before. For, for instance, they now have a, a full-time dedicated vocational rehabilitation counselor dedicated to the school um, to help students as they began to traverse the process of, of getting the services from DSBI here in our state.
0: Right. Um,
1: so that's not something that we had at the school, you know, we we got, we had our VR counselors and we dealt with our VR counselors kind of in our own cities. And and, and it was just, a, it just wasn't the same um, back then. Not that it was bad because I think, um, you know, the systematic approach was different uh, to providing services back then. But I think now that uh, we recognize the importance of getting an early start on vocational um, aptitude for students. I think the School for the Blind is now you know, helping to um, pave and lead the way um, for some of those experiences uh, for families and students um, to, to be able to have those. So really excited about it. I, I uh, It's one of my favorite places to go, as I've shared with you over the last 30 or so minutes. Right. One of my favorite places to be. I've got so many stories that I could tell, uh, but I certainly don't want to you
0: know, uh, right. You
1: know, tell too much and all that, but uh, I
0: get it. Um, now one thing that they've recently repaired that I just found out about yesterday is the carillon, the bell tower that hasn't been working in probably 10 plus years.
1: (laughs) Oh really? Wow. I don't think I realized that.
0: Yeah. It's been a while. It, uh, got struck by lightning and hasn't been in commission since who knows when. Oh, wow. Okay. um, I forgot just how peaceful and beautiful it was. (laughs) So let's, you remember the bell tower working, don't you from your time? I
1: do. I do remember the bell tower. I always could tell what time of the day it was by when the bell tower was going off. You had it happening in the morning um, and you also had it happening during the three o'clock hour. And so that's how you knew when it was time to get ready to go to wrestling practice or your respective club or group. Uh, the bell tower was, was, uh, what announced, you know, the fact that it was seven 30 in the morning, because I think it always used to go up at seven 30, which was a half hour before uh, I believe classes started at the time that I was a student there. Right. So, so I do, I remember it. I remember the tones. I remember the, More interestingly, the cartridges. Uh, So there's there's when you, for those who don't know, there's these little cartridges that you put inside of a machine, and that's what actually makes the music that you hear. And it's on this really interesting-looking long, flat discs kind of thing. Something that students now probably wouldn't even recognize. I barely recognize it myself, but
0: it's (laughs) it's probably this. It probably was about the size of an eight-track tape.
1: A little more narrow than that, but yeah, about that same length, but a little more narrow. And it didn't have it didn't have like um, how eight track excuse me, eight track tapes have the little ribbon. It didn't have that. It was it was it was like a one whole piece of that you stuck into like a almost kind of like a digital. It almost reminded you of like a digital disc, except unlike anything that you would conceive right now of as like a digital
0: disc. Uh huh. So I've taken the audio from a video that Miss Wagner the principal at OSSB had posted in the alumni group that we have on Facebook and let's take a listen to how beautiful it sounds yet again after getting working again let's do that Yes, it was. And
1: you could hear that for miles. I mean, you could hear that for miles and miles.
0: Exactly. I could sit out in the courtyard and listen to it all day.
1: (laughs) They, uh, I wonder, uh, because so you know that they, you obviously know this, they built a pond out front there. There's a little fountain out there.
0: The retention I if pump. Uh,
1: I wonder yeah, I wonder if they've uh, no, no. The little thing that's around so you know how when you go up the steps where the bell tower is and to the right, there's a that little iron rod gate oh, yeah. thing.
0: The Yeah. That's I know. a little
1: that's a little fountain there. Yep. That coupled with that sound right there. That's that's good stuff. That's that's what I like to hear right there.
0: That is good stuff. And I don't think the fountain has been running since Last year's, no, maybe two year, one of the one of the last alumni reunions. They got it up and going again, so I don't think it's it's been working since. But
1: it's been a while because it's been a while since I've seen it, and I've been in the building now over the last couple of years, a couple more times than I can count. And uh, not always do I get back there, right? Um, But whenever I can sneak back there and just take a second, and just even just stand in the lobby um, and just sit on the bench. Um, it's just it's great. Um, I've done a couple of YouTube videos uh, from Scarberry Hall, and it's it's just a it's just a really fun experience to sit up on stage and play the piano where I so many years ago. I remember um, the public school uh, did a collaborative kind of pen pal program with the school for the blind. And so because of that, we get we got to visit the school for the blind a couple of times a year. So we would get to go over and meet our pen pal. Um, right. And we'd get to have pizza and different things of that nature, and we'd get to have a talent show. And one of the things I remember uh, from really, really early in life, I was probably, I couldn't have been any more than 10 years old. And at the time, married with children was all the hype, you know, was all the hype back then. Right. And Al Bundy and you know, Ed O'Neill was super popular. And myself and this young man named Michael Waddle um, would do skits from the scenes from from the show right and one of the scenes uh al used a foul word and i remember doing that on stage when i was like eight or nine or ten years old and i remember it like it was yesterday and i remember the audience just hitting the floor because they were they just were this this, really and this is you know 19 this is by 1992 uh you probably weren't even born in 1992. But
0: <laughs> no, a couple years shy. Uh,
1: uh, but uh, so I th- those those experiences, those memories, and just I, all those things come flooding back when I take time and, and visit the school, and you know I think about you know all of the the braille and different things, and so how much that meant to me, and and being able to to have access to braille books to do math and all those just all the all the things that. Um, You know, I could have and even in some cases probably did take for granted just uh, just uh, or overwhelming at that point. Just so many experiences that I just never thought I'd be thinking about uh, 17 or 18 years after I'd left that place, uh, you know, as a student for the final time. So um, I did do a short uh, I did work at the school as a uh, assistant music um, kind of person. Uh, I worked with Carol Agler for a very short time um, there. Um, and then I went on to, to go back to school and do some other things. And coincidentally, so we have, as I'd shared earlier, different seasons that we go through and, and we, uh, have different sports. And so through those sports and different things, we have rivalries. And one of our biggest rivalries was the school for the blind in the state of Indiana. Now I don't say that to talk about the rivalry, only that, only to say that later in life, I ended up actually working at the school for the blind in Indiana as uh-huh. the technology instructor, and so <laughs> it was really interesting to be there and, and be in those halls and you know see the schools and the students come um, years later you know to the place that was you know the, the schools that our that I was the, we were rivals with and to be there and so I didn't work there for a long time I worked there for about one school year um, and then went on to start working in the field of independent living and that's where I've basically been ever since then that's been since 2010. Um, and so that's about what I've been doing for the last decade. And so all my experiences have, you know, for, through the School for the Blind have kind of culminated in, you know, what I do now and, and, uh, and, and the work that I do and the message that I share with people, which, you know, is one of independence, which is uh, one of uh, believing in oneself. And the School for the Blind helped me, allowed me to be able to achieve that. And I would encourage anybody um, to learn about the history of the School for the Blind in Ohio. It's a great history. It's a really rich history. It's um, more than 150 years old, the history. Um, our, our building, our school was even in downtown Columbus at one point in its history. Um, it's been at its current location for, I believe, the last 80 years, I believe.
0: The uh, building, more about. They built it in 53. 53- Three. They wanted to have 53. it done by 50, but setbacks with construction and what have you pushed it back to opening day of 53, sometime in 53. So, gotcha. It's been a, <laughs> it's been at so that spot so for you, a while. I'm not,
1: I never was good in math. I'm sorry. Uh, our, our math teacher at the time was Miss Sarah Thayer. Um, and I don't, I forget what her name is now. I just recently was reacquainted with her, but sorry about that. Uh, uh, I've never, never was good at math. That's why I use Excel and formulas. And I also have an accountant. I do people to worry about those numbers for me. Just, right. Um,
0: yeah. Miss Moore is a good, good math teacher now. Well, Miss Thayer as you knew her, so Miss Moore now, but yeah. Um, anything else you'd like to share or add that you haven't already touched on?
1: um i don't know if there's anything that i would want to add i would i would just strongly encourage you know folks to if you have a few minutes to really talk with uh brendan and and be a part of the podcast because as i said there's as i said there's so many uh, rich memories and different stories that i am forgetting or, or am not sharing and i think also help to demonstrate and illustrate the the rich history and the the rich experiences that people can have at the school. So anybody who has, you know, a half hour or 45 minutes, I think should really strongly, you know, uh, take the time to, to relive a little bit of your history with, with Brandon about the School for the Blind, because we all have so many different experiences. Uh, we remember so many different people, um, so many people who aren't with us anymore. Um, a couple of people come to mind, uh, Stephanie Clater. Uh, uh she was one of the reasons that I wanted to go to the school for the blind she and i have been childhood friends um and she recently passed away within the, within the last few years um andrew humphrey another guy who i was acquainted with a long time people knew him as grunge <laughs> i, rem- <laughs> I
0: remember andrew
1: andrew he actually ended up working at the school for a number of years in food service um after after the fact, and and so it's so so interesting to see the the different dichotomy uh, that people have after they become students with the school. But um, so he and, and and so remembering him, and I encourage people to remember him and and people like Kizzy Lanier, um, you know, super reader, um, you know, another one of the people who had a, a really great personality at the school. Um, other folks, Matthew Killian, um, he also has you know passed away within the last four or five years so young really young people too and all these people were, were less than 40 years old every single one of these people who i'm talking about had a part in this rich history that we uh know and love and and you know um you know so so just really encourage you guys to, to take a minute to talk with brendan and remember people and remember these experiences um so many people that i'm sure that i didn't mention that i wish that i had and and could and would Um, but I don't want to turn it into a shout-out show. But those folks know who they are. They're really important. We still chat, but really take some time. And I hope that this uh, gets posted on Facebook so people do have an opportunity to take a listen um, and learn a little bit about uh, my experiences and the uh, part that OSSB played in the development of of Jordy Stringer. So appreciate you, Brendan. And I think that's it for me for now, unless uh, you have any other questions. I'm always happy to talk again Mm -hmm. if you want to, Talk something specific. Um, and one of the one of the things I didn't mention um, that really was was a really uh, important, I think, um, lesson for me was being a part of the the business program at the School for the Blind. Uh, we had the vending program that used to be ran by Jeff Shaw, right? And those experiences also helped to put me in the kind of mindset. Um, I certainly would be remiss if I didn't mention that one uh, because it it just played such an integral role. I even, because of that, went into the business enterprise program for a little while and and worked as a vendor. And um, so just all those experiences that I got at the School for the Blind are are so rich that I wish that I could sum it up in a sentence, but I really can't. So I'll just say I appreciate it and appreciate you again, Brendan, and all the work that you are doing to help, again, keep the spirit and memory of the school alive and all the things that are still happening there at the school and encourage people, again, to take an opportunity to share with you their experience and what it was that was important to them about OSSB.
0: Thank you. It's, the way I look at the podcast is kind of a continuation of the main podcast that the students do, along with Mr. Kelly, And focus more on the alumni, the former and current staff, volunteers, who have you. Anybody that's been directly involved with OSSB, whether it be through the marching band or any other form of... Well, that's, that's really cool,
1: man. There, because there are a lot of alumni uh, doing a lot of really cool things, <clears throat> both uh, both personally and professionally. We've got a lot of folks who are doing music, and a lot of folks who are writing, and a lot of folks who are teaching, and a lot of folks who are in some really interesting leadership roles. Both students, uh, past students, so alumni, and and other folks. Uh, we've got a really really diverse and rich uh group of people who have gone to the school for the blind so I, I i encourage you to reach out to those folks and continue to make your calls uh for folks to to be out there and wherever i can help encourage people to do that feel free to let me know and and i'll do that because I, I really appreciate what you're doing and think this is super important um i've gotten the opportunity to be a part of the regular ossp podcast um i did the alumni podcast last year and interestingly enough i did it in june so almost like a year to date uh right i'm doing another podcast so <laughs> don't know if this is going to be an annual thing for me but I, I have appreciated the opportunity to do it work with dan and and he's doing an amazing job with his students and figuring out how to bring to life all those great things that are currently happening so yeah
0: especially now since we've got this whole COVID 19 pandemic thing going on and the school's being shut down they're doing an amazing job with that podcast <laughs> during all of this uncertain time that we're in yeah so.
1: I, I have listened to a couple since I think it, I know I listened to one I think I listened to the cooking one with Dan I know I listened to the uh to the, the February podcast so that was really good um so so yeah they're doing an amazing job and I'll look forward to the day that students can be back in the classroom and be back in the halls be back doing the things that um, allow them to be able to have those experiences at the school and, and, and so that they can continue to be enriched by all the great things and great people um, that are part of the uh, ecosystem that is the School for the Blind. So
0: I'd agree. I can't wait to get back and run soundboard for the concerts that I've been running for the past couple years. <clears throat> Having a uh, radio broadcast, ba- a back- background in radio broadcast. I know the ins and outs of all of that. This podcast actually started with, or is hosted by my former employer. So, shout out to them for hosting me for free and allowing me to bring a piece of my heart to a lot of, lot of listeners. So.
1: Well, if that's the case, you should get better music for your intro. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you should let people pick their own music when you when, when you when you intro and do different music. <laughs> uh,
0: I may think about that idea.
1: I'm Changing. just joshing you, man. I'm just <laughs> you. are doing you're doing a great you're doing a great job, man. So I thank you very much and I'm sure your employer is, is proud of your product. And uh so you're doing a great job. So thank you, man. I again I appreciate it. And thanks for the opportunity. Thank you for allowing me to take the time and thank you for taking the time with me today. So
0: Thank you for being on and yeah. stand by. I'm going to wrap it up and then we can chat for a minute or two after. So, Sounds good. So Sounds good. stand by. All right. Thank you so much for coming on this week's episode, Jordy. I know it's been a while since we've had an episode, but hopefully we'll be back next week with another one. So until then, well, well, Make sure <laughs> make sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook for podcast updates and make sure to follow us on the free iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. And until next time, bye for now. That's all,
1: folks.
0: Thanks for joining us this week on OSSB Inside and Out. Make sure to follow us on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for OSSB Inside and Out Podcast. Make sure you don't miss any future episodes. You can find us on all the major podcast platforms. Thank you for listening.